Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way.
receive our morning offering, please. Brother Josh Daly, will you lead our prayer?
She has a master's in church music from New Orleans Seminary. And I'm not tooting your horn, Karen, but you deserve recognition for your hard work. And uh, has faithfully served in numerous churches throughout Mississippi and Tennessee. And um, There's just not two better people on the face of the earth, in my opinion. Karen just lost her mother a couple of weeks ago. I ask that you keep her in prayer today as she sings. The new piano that you're staring at on the platform... Um, was a generous gift um, the church uh, has paid for that but for the value of the piano the Fisk family gave us a tremendous deal and um, they just said John's words were it does us good to know that it's going to be used to honor and glorify God in his worship and um, they're moving to California is why they gave up their baby and we're glad to take the baby Karen and John and and, and treat her well. And uh, Karen has a gorgeous voice. This morning she's going to share with us how great thou art, probably like you've never heard it. Okay. <laughs>
consider all of the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displays. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art! How great thou art Then sings my soul My Savior God to thee How great thou art How great thou art Any of you are wondering 
I will not be preaching on that same note in which she was singing. <laughs> Unless somebody pinches me, and then it won't last that long. Thank you so much. Not just for your generosity with the piano, but for sharing your gift with us this morning. Thank you uh, again, Miss Linda. Jason, thank you, choir, for taking us into the music portion of our worship service this morning. It is something worth giving gratitude for, to have people who so diligently work to serve the Lord and to plan and to pray about what songs that we would sing together as we come to the throne of mercy on Sunday mornings corporately, so I am grateful for that. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 this morning, and the title of our message is this, Worship is our reasonable response to knowing God. Worship is our reasonable response to knowing God. Now this week, as we get into our message, we find ourselves in the first weekend in March. And this is the month leading up to our Easter weekend, our Easter services, uh, which we have, have titled Celebration Sunday this year. Easter Sunday, we've titled Celebration Sunday. You've heard me talk about it for a few weeks. Each week, I'm going to draw your attention to something else as we, as we draw nearer to that day. This week, I'm going to draw your attention. If you've come to our Wednesday night uh, midweek Bible studies, uh, you will have already heard this. Uh, but I'm going to announce it to everyone this morning. In the front foyer, there are some forms of paper. One is a commitment page. It just simply says, I commit to being here on Celebration Sunday. This is how many people I'm bringing with me. All right, this helps us plan and prepare to make sure we're prepared uh, for Celebration Sunday. So again, husband and wife, you don't both need to fill one out. We'll get a double count that way. If you sign a commitment card, I'm not going to look out on Easter Sunday morning and go, ha ha, Sister Suzanne said she was coming, she's not here, I'm not going to hunt you down and you tell me you have a fever, I'm not going to be angry with you, okay? This just helps us plan and prepare. So a commitment page, would you please fill one out, let us know how many people you plan on bringing with you. Guess what? If you invite a friend and you need to fill out a new commitment card, I'm okay with that. All right, so you're not saying, I'm just bringing two and you can't invite anybody because I want everyone to invite someone to Celebration Sunday services. The other page back there is a prayer card. I'm going to ask everybody to pray, but I'm going to ask you if you would be committed to say, I want to be part of a small prayer group each week leading up to Celebration Sunday. If you would commit to that prayer, I'd like for you to fill that out. There's a basket out front, so just fill it out. Put your name, put your phone number on that. Drop it in the basket. So a prayer card, a commitment card, okay? I want you to do that. Please do that as we wind towards Celebration Sunday. That's not too hard. That's all I'm asking this week, okay? That's all I'm asking this week. Those of you who are on social media, though, I'm going to ask you for one more thing. You're going to start to see this week on the church's Facebook page some announcements about Celebration Sunday. Would you please like and share? I don't know what that means, but I've been told that more likes and more shares mean more peoples see it. So would you please like and share everything you see from Rocky Valley Baptist Church for this next month, okay? All right, I'm done with that. I couldn't figure out a better time to do it, so I figured now would work. Uh, if I was wrong... Don't let me know. I don't want to be messed up about it later. So, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Worship is a reasonable response to knowing God. And we wind down these messages that we have begun this year with, and we've been on this idea since the beginning of the year. How can 2018 be my best year of serving the Lord ever? Regardless whether 2017 was a great year or whether 2017 was my worst year, we have an opportunity to make 2018 our best year in terms of serving the Lord. And so we've looked at themes from the Bible that teach us how can we make 
make this year our greatest year of serving the Lord. And this morning, as we start to wind down, we look to worship of our King of Kings. We look to worship of God and how, in fact, not only is it a way that we can serve the Lord better in 2018, but in fact, we can't serve the Lord until we worship the Lord. Let me say that again. We can't serve the Lord until we worship the Lord. We're going to see this morning that, in fact, the most reasonable response to knowing God is to first worship Him. In fact, to serve Him is to worship Him. Okay, so that's where we're going to be this morning. Please stand if you're able in the house this morning for the reading of the holy words of our holy God from the book of Romans chapter 12, and we will be in the first two verses. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your Spirit's presence that has already been with us. God, we ask that you would remain dwelling among us for the next few minutes as we dive into your holy sanctified and errant word. God, my prayer would be that if there be any spirit in this place that is not your Holy Spirit, God, I don't know how it would have remained through the praises to you. But if it's hanging around, would you please escort it out the front door? God, would you let everything said and done in the next few moments glorify you, that you would be on display, that you would be lifted up. It is in my, my humble, humble prayer this morning. God, it's in your holy name that we utter our prayers. And all of God's children said. And you may be seated. First thing we're going to look at this morning is the mercies that call us. The mercies that call us. Now, as we dive into these great verses this morning, I want us to look quickly at one word that kind of drives us into this text. If we're going to look at these first two verses, there's one word that we see in there that we really have to deal with first. All right, it's about the fourth word in this verse if you're using the New King James translations. It's, I beseech you, therefore. I beseech you, therefore. Now, any of you have been with me long enough, who have sat under the preaching long enough and heard me say, there are certain words in the text. There are certain words in Scripture that cause us to, to do a little something. Now, I know a lot of them cause us to do something. But I mean, if we're going to study a couple of verses, there are certain words that cause us to look back at something else. And therefore is one of those words, right? So if we're going to talk about therefore, I beseech you, therefore, we have to figure out what it's there for. And to know what it's there for, we have to look before to figure it out okay in other words Paul is telling us if we are going to move forward we got to understand what he's already said okay if we're going to get these next verses in the remainder of this great epistle we're going to have to understand the first 11 chapters and so Paul is really kind of beseeching us and he's saying this to us you got to understand what I've already written or you're not understanding what I'm going to write. There's no way you can follow what's coming. And so what are the words quickly? I'm not going to take very long. I'm not going to give you a, a long dissertation of the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. You, you'd never get to lunch if I did that. But I do want to quickly just, just bring us up to speed so we know where we're at. So, so what are the things? The first things that Paul writes... In the first three chapters of Romans, we'll find it kind of culminates in chapter 3, verse 11, when Paul says, no one seeks after God, no, not one. And so in Romans 3, 11, it culminates those first three chapters as Paul introduces our situation or our problem is that no one seeks after God. There is not one righteous. There's not one who will strive after God. There is not one on all of the face of the earth who is born with a nature that wishes to be received by God. That is not something something that we can manifest in and of ourselves. It doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how bad you are, doesn't matter what you think of yourself or what someone else, the fact of the matter remains is that apart from Christ, you will not desire to come to God. 
Now in chapter 4, though, Paul starts to make a little transition. And in chapters 4 through 6, Paul is talking about a display of God's grace. I think the culminating verse in all of that could be found in chapter 5, verse 8, when he says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we see in in 3.11 that that there's not one who seeks after God. But in 5.8 we see that even though while we were in that state, Jesus Christ died for us. And so in chapters 1 through 3 we had a problem. In chapter 5 we see a solution is Jesus Christ and it's by His grace because we weren't seeking after Him. And in Romans 8.1 we see something else as Paul starts to deal with our freedom as a result of the grace in response to our situation. And in Romans 8.1 he says that thou, there is therefore now no... Somebody help me. Anybody remember Romans 8.1? Condemnation, Right? Condemnation. We hadn't got to it in our Bible reading plan yet. I understand. I'll forgive you. There is therefore now no condemnation. So we stood with a problem. Jesus, by His grace, died for us anyway. And as a result of His grace, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, I don't know about you, but the therefore of Freeman's freedom in Romans 8.1 makes me get a little excited. Many of you asked me this morning, Preacher, why do you whistle on your way in? Is it because the sun is shining? And I wanted to say, no, it is because there is therefore now no condemnation in my life. I have spent all week talking with the Apostle Paul about the fact that I've been set free from the burden of my sins because Jesus paid it all, and all to Him I owe, and I can't help but whistle just a little bit when I think about that. If I could sing like her, I'd sing. So most of you should thank God that I was just a whistling this morning, okay? There is no condemnation. And so Paul, as he writes, and he writes, if you look at Paul's letters, he does this so many times. He introduces theology early on. He explains to us that we're sinners, that we needed grace, that there's a deep, rich theology that we have to grasp. And I find myself thinking that sometimes Paul had ADHD, like me, and when he was writing about all this theology, he got tore up from the floor up and said, I'm tired of writing about theology. I want you to know what happens after you get it. And so he wrote chapter 12, and he starts out in chapter 12, and he says, let's remember the mercies that call us to this. I have been so excited writing about all of these things, and I've recognized that I'm a sinner, and on the Damascus Road, I might as well have been on my way to hell. But Jesus paid it all. And now all to him I owe. And let me tell you people who are reading this letter, as a result of the grace of Jesus Christ, I've got no condemnation. And here is what I'm going to do with it. So that's where we're at. You, my friend, need to be standing in a place where you say, I understand that there is no condemnation. And this is what I'm going to do with it. Now I want you to know this. If you don't get that, don't bother. You won't get what's coming. Start praying right now that God would give you a renewed mind. But go ahead and listen anyway. Don't go to sleep on me. So we know there is the therefore. Now we know what it's there for because we looked before. All right? I figured I was going to mess that up all week. I'm glad I got that. All right, Paul says something interesting here. He says this, I beseech you, therefore. I beseech you. That word is kind of interesting, beseech. We might see it and we think that he's kind of exhorting. And he is making an exhortation, but he's also doing something else. That word literally means to come beside. So he's essentially saying, hey, 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 come here, get in my pocket. All right? Hey, 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 come here, get with me. I want you to know what I found in my time of private prayer and study as I was penning this letter. I want you to come right up beside me, and I want you to get here with me because i got something to tell you that's going to happen. It's like he just gets so excited by the mercies of God because that's what he says. He says, I want you to get on the same page with me. He goes on to say, what, by the mercies of God. Of God. What got me here are the mercies of God. So if you're going to get here with me, you got to understand these mercies of God. So, what are the mercies of God? Now, I realize I'm in a, a very sanctimonious group this morning. Most of you know, but I think even if you know, you like to hear it again. And if you don't know, you might want to hear it, okay? So, the mercies of God really are this that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That means this while we were sinners, Jesus Christ. Put on flesh and dwelt among men. He left heaven, put on flesh, dwelt among men, lived a perfect life, strapped himself to a wooden cross, was stood up for all the world to see. He bled, he died, he was punished, and then he was resurrected. That is mercy at its finest in that while we were sinners, Christ would do all that. 
Not to mention that he would endure all the physical punishment that he would leave the deity in heaven. And it says that on the cross when it was finished that he had endured the wrath of God and that the Father had even turned his back on his Son. And for the only moment throughout all of creation, the Holy Trinity had a split in it for a moment. As Jesus took your sin, why did the Holy Trinity have to have that split? Because God cannot be present where there is sin because where there is light, there is no darkness. So if Jesus was going to take your sin, He had to endure the spiritual wrath for just a moment. And the agony that He felt on His cross, my friends, that is mercy if I've ever felt it. That is mercy if I've ever seen it. It's why when we sing Jesus paid it all and all to Him I owe, I can't help but have a tear run down my face because I didn't deserve for Him to pay for me. I had someone pay for my dinner not long ago. And I thought, man, how awesome is that? I only ate about $8 worth of food. If I'd have known they was doing it, I'd have ate about 20 But... <laughs> I thought, man, how even if I'd eaten the $20 worth of food, though, did you know? That ain't a drop in the ocean compared to the love that my Savior had for me, that he would bestow his love upon me and go to that cross. And Paul here is saying this. He said, I strolled by the cross, and I looked at the mercy of my wondrous Savior, and I want to tell you what you're going to do if you've seen this mercy. Come here, get beside me. Come here, get, get where I'm at as we move forward. And you know that, bless God, I get to do that every week. I get to do that every week. I absolutely love what I do. I, I mean, I love what I do. People ask me, how was work? I say, I don't know. I hadn't worked in a few years. Because what I get to do every week is I get to open up this holy book of God and I get to dive my head into it and I get in my private prayer time and I say, God, would you just, would you open these pages and would you reveal to me what it is that I get to come out on Sunday morning and essentially every Sunday morning I get to stroll in behind this sacred box and I get to say, hey, 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 I beseech you therefore, my brethren, come here beside me by the mercy of God and let me tell you when I strolled by the cross this week what the apostles Paul was writing about. I get to tell you each week, I beseech you therefore my brethren, come here and get beside me and let me tell you what happened in my private prayer time that God revealed to me His mercies were plenty. Even though my sins, they were awful. His mercy was sufficient. And I'm telling you this morning, Rocky Valley, I want you to come here and get beside me. I want you to come here and get beside me by the mercy of God. And get ready for this next point. And get ready for the remainder of this message. But I want to tell you this this morning. If you're here in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of my voice. If you don't know the mercy of God. If you've never worshipped him. If you've never come to him. Then I want you right now just pray that God would reveal himself to you. And I'm going to open the invitation the same way that I always do. I'm here to preach three points of a sermon. We're nearly through the first one. But if you need to come down and give your heart to the Lord, don't wait for the last one. You find your way down here. There are brothers that will pray for you. If you're set on praying with me, grab me. I'll get somebody else to preach this. The notes are pretty clear. But come on down. Don't you wait no more. But for everybody else, if you know that you know that you know that you belong to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I want us to move to the second point this morning. First, there's the mercy through which he calls us. Second, there's the worship in which we live. There's the worship that we live. And said, Brother Jason, you said this was a message about worship. But all this time you've been preaching about the cross and the mercy of God. And I say it is a message about worship. Last week, like we talked about prayer, but we spent the first part saying this. You can't pray until you've experienced the grace of God. I'm going to tell you this, you can't worship until you've experienced the grace of God. Of Jesus Christ. There's the mercies we're called, then the worship we live. Paul goes on to write this. He says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, that word for service there, it's another interesting word in Paul's writing. It actually means worship. Did you know that? That word actually means worship. In fact, some more modern translations translate it as worship. But that word literally means to worship. And so how do we offer ourselves to God as acceptable? By His mercies. 
You see those two phrases in that verse. You'll see two times you see the name God, right? By the mercies of God and then acceptable to God. All right, if you'll look at those two, it's kind of a, what I call a cyclical relationship. Those of you that don't know what cyclical means, think of a bicycle wheel. It's in a circle, right? It's a circular relationship. So what is it? I can't present myself as acceptable to God until I've received the mercies of God. But my friends, if I've received the mercies of God, then my desire is to present myself as acceptable to God. You see how that kind of, it kind of makes that whole reign. You can't have one without the other. Without the mercies of God, I can try my best to present myself as acceptable to God and it'll just be filthy rags. And my friends, if I have the mercies of God, I can't help but want to present myself as acceptable to God. You see what I'm saying? My reasonable service is to worship God and if I have received His mercies, that's what I'm going to want to do. Now, that's a lot of brother words, Brother Jason. Good. I'm going to say a few more. We're going to tell you what I mean just a little bit. To put it simple, if you know God, you'll want to worship him. And if you don't worship him, it probably means you don't know him. Now, I know somebody in here, when I said that, said, well... You know, Brother Jason, I just, I just don't like those songs that the music minister picked out. I just didn't really like those. They were just too old. Or, Brother Jason, I wish we'd sing some of those new songs. Brother Jason, I wish we'd sing some of those old songs. Them songs was just too new that we sang today. <laughs> you know, we sang that song so fast, I wish we'd slow it down. Golly, Brother Jason, we drugged through that one. I wish you could tell her to pick up the pace. That music was so loud I couldn't even concentrate. Brother Jason, I couldn't even hear the music this morning. You want to know how to go batty? Go stand in that corner back there. This one tells you it's too loud. This one tells you it's too quiet. Try picking songs every morning. This one tells you it's too old. This one tells you it's too new. Try being the preacher that's got to listen and say it's his fault. I don't tell him what to do. I know some of you thought that when I talked about worship and worshiping the Lord. You said, well, I just can't hardly do it with that song. Can I just tell you that if the song didn't scratch your itch this morning, good. Because it wasn't meant for you anyway. It was meant for God. I had to do this morning, and this young man had to do, and our pianist had to do, this young lady had to do, those men and women in the back who worked so hard all week long. You know what they had to do? They had to seek the face of God and try to do what glorified Him this morning. And in fact, believe it or not, in the process of any of that, any time I've ever talked to this young man about the music service, not one time, I can promise you not one time, you can call me out if I'm lying, not one time have I said, hey, well, the congregation really lied likes this. You know what I said? I want you to seek the face of God and I want you to put in the music worship what you feel like is honoring and pleasing to God and if the congregation wants to worship, they'll worship. And if they don't want to worship, they won't worship. And the worship has nothing to do with what you want or what you desire. It has to do with a wooden cross and a Savior in heaven. And that, my friends, is how you tell the difference between you're getting what you want or whether God's getting what He deserves. Because if we all go around trying to do what everybody in here wants, I can assure you the music volume would drive you nuts going up and down. Because everybody's got an opinion about how loud it ought to be. And the song service, we would go from rap songs to old songs in a course of a 15-minute worship service. Because everybody's got an opinion on what they want sung. But at the end of the day, my friends, it don't matter if it's a rap song and the bass is booming and the windows are rattling. If it's about Jesus Christ, I can still worship. Worship my Savior. I may not know what they're saying. 
But if I know it's about Jesus Christ, I can still worship my Savior. You know what happens when a child of God finds himself in true worship? When it's a song that he doesn't know, but he knows it's about Jesus, he says, oh, how sweet the name of Jesus. Or when the music is a little soft and he thinks it ought to be a little louder, he says, oh, what a tender moment of praise. When a child of God hears the music and he thinks maybe just a little loud, he says, bless God, maybe the neighbors can hear us. Because I don't care. If I get what I want, as long as God gets what he deserves. Now, I talked about music a lot here on the front end, but now I'm going to drop another bombshell on you. Did you know that worship really ain't got nothing to do with music? Worship is not music. Too many of us, when we think of worship, that's what we think of. And in our churches, we've made a mistake. And I do it sometimes and said this, that the first part of the service is the worship and the last part is the preaching. My friend, if we're not worshiping through the preaching, then we ain't preaching. I'm sorry, this is worship. To open the holy word of God and talk about God, that is worship at its finest. Worship, in fact, is everything you do. With every moment and every breath and every thought, you're worshiping something. I don't feel like worshiping today, Brother Jason. It's been a hard week. You just don't understand, Brother Jason. My, my best pig got run over. My goat drowned in all the rain. I've got a farm of mud. It's been a hard week. My friend, you misunderstood what I said. I didn't say that worship was singing and dancing and snapping and whistling and clapping. Do you know what worship is? Worship is a feeling and an expression of adoration for God. So how can I worship when I've had a bad week? Thank you, God, for your mercies. That even though this is going on, you still got me. That's worship. I don't got to sing a song to worship God. I agree. There may be weeks you don't feel like singing. That's okay. Come in and close your eyes because in the book of Romans, you know what my Bible also tells me is that Jesus intercedes on our behalf even in our groanings. That means if all I can do is come in and go, God still heard me. If that's all I got, God still heard me and that is worship. If you don't feel like shouting, humble yourself and say, God, I know that you're a God and I'm still going to turn my life back to praise for you. Let me give you a few examples this morning. You know that the primary way that God speaks to us is through, through his Bible, through his holy word. And so to worship him would be to be obedient and to study his word. But when we make the decision instead to read the Sports Illustrated and watch the television, we've chosen to worship ourselves. Be clear, I'm not saying Sports Illustrated and TV are bad. I like them both. But if it comes in place of your private prayer and study time, then they've just become worship of yourself instead of worship of the Lord. You know that God has called you to fellowship in the local church but you really enjoy your Sunday mornings and getting to watch the Titans game when it kicks off at 12 o'clock because you know that preacher ain't going to shut up on time. When you choose to stay home, you've chosen to worship yourself instead of being obedient to come and worship God. Hang on, I'm going to get in some of his pockets for a minute. You know that God's word says that he is to receive the first fruits of the blessings that he has given us. But Brother Jason, I really need all the money that I earned this week to get by. Well, obedience would be to worship God by giving him the first fruits that he deserves. But worshiping yourself would be to say, I think I need all this for me. You see, every decision we make and everything we do is worship of something. 
It is worship of something. So my question of this is this. Will you worship God? Or will you worship yourself with your decisions? Will you give yourself to him because you recognize what he's done for you? Or will you do what you desire because you think you've done it for yourself? Because that's essentially what the decision is that you're making. So there's the mercies that call us. There's the worship that we live. And finally, there's the transformation that becomes us. There's the transformation that becomes us. Verse 2 tells us something that really kind of furthers uh, a thought. I think of John 3 when I think of transformation. Because you remember that conversation between the Pharisee, Nicodemus, and Jesus, right? Nicodemus comes and he says, what must I do to be saved, essentially? That's, that's the crux of why Nicodemus is coming to Jesus. And you remember Jesus' response. You must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can I be saved? He says, you got to be born again. That sounds like a transformation to me to say that I'm going to be born again. Maybe I'm not scientifically uh, on the cusp of things as much as I should be. But to me, to be born again sounds like a new creation is happening. And that is a transformation if I've ever seen one. And Paul is kind of elaborating on that thought here in verse 2 when he says... uh, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we got to be born again. But once we're born again, those of you who have been born again, you'll echo my sentiment unless maybe you're more holy than I am. And that's okay if you are, just keep your mouth shut. But I still, I don't know about y'all, but even though I've been born again, I've got no doubt in my mind that if I were to drop dead Fred right now, I'd be present with the Savior in just a moment. I don't have any question in my heart, in my soul, and in my mind that I belong to Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. But my goodness, Jason Moss still comes out every now and again and bites me in the rear end. Every now and again, he gets in my head and starts trying to tell me to do what I think I think I want to do, even though I think I want to do what I think I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Maybe the rest of you don't have that problem. Maybe I'm the only one, so I'm going to preach to myself for a minute. Paul says that we are to renew our mind. We're to be transformed. And he kind of gives us this thought that, yes, we're born again. We're a new creation. But the old nature is still going to continue to flesh itself up and to be in our lives and to cause us to not do what we ought to do even when we know we ought to do it. And so how can we move away from the old man and be what we want to be and continue to be sanctified? It's by continuously coming to the throne of His mercy and asking that our mind be renewed. And how do we do that? By offering our reasonable service to the Lord and worshiping Him. We desire to conform to the world because of our very nature of sin that we were born with. But presenting ourselves to Jesus continuously transforms our minds. Any of you ever had a season where you weren't worshiping the way you ought? You ever notice how the old man starts to take over? Suddenly things that when you were worshiping Jesus the way you ought to, Things didn't make you so upset, but now all of a sudden you're mad all the time. Those relationships that you had mended, now all of a sudden they're splintered again. Those situations you thought you had under control suddenly have bubbled up over you again. It's because you're not bringing yourself by the mercies of God to present your worship to Him, which will transform your mind. It's where we go from worshipers of me to worshipers. Of he. Do you know why we are selfish with our musical preferences? And don't, don't, if you're somebody in here that struggles with that, don't worry, everybody else does too. Do you know why we're selfish 
with our musical preferences and desires? Do you know why we're selfish to want to hold on to the first fruits of our finances? Do you know why we want to read anything else but our Bible when we know we ought to? Do you know why we want to stay home instead of coming to fellowship with other believers? It's because we're worshiping ourselves, and it's because essentially that's what we were born with a desire to do. We were born with the desire to worship ourselves. But by worshiping him in spirit and in truth, we begin to recognize that he is the only thing in our lives that is worthy of worship. He's the only thing that is worthy of worship. And look at that progression at the end of Romans 12 too. It says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Think about that statement. How do you prove acceptable or good or perfect to the will of God? It goes back to his mercies. By his mercies. I don't know about you guys. Actually, I do know about you guys. I've read my Bible and I've recognized that none of us are acceptable to God apart from Christ. It's only by his mercy that I can move into this progression. And so worship of God, it is our reasonable service. How do you make this year your greatest year of serving the Lord? Worship him. Worship him, quite simply. Because you can't serve him. Until you worship him. And you can't not serve him. Once you're worshiping him. That's just the way it is. So will you make this day. The day that you stand and say. As for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to start. By worshiping the Lord. So how do we respond to the text this morning. As we close. First if you're listening. And you've been convicted about your stance in some area of your life. You've examined your life through this text and you've said, something has, has hindered me from worshiping the Lord the way that I ought. I've been too selfish. I've wanted things to happen my way. I wanted my way to be done. But I want to stand and say that I want God's will to be done. I don't want to be selfish anymore. I want to come to the throne. I want to come by his mercies. I want to have his grace wrap me in, in, in his love. And I want to worship him by giving myself to him. Would you come this morning? Make this your Ebenezer, your altar to the Lord. Where you come and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to lay this down here at this altar. I'm going to ask God to transform and renew my mind. But maybe you're here and you've realized you've never given control of your life to God. You've never, you, you, you've never accepted him as your Lord. It's one thing to say, hey, I don't want to go to hell. But it's another thing to say, you know what, as a result of his mercy, I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I want to be renewed. Would you come this morning and let's talk about that. Let's talk just a moment about what it means to worship the King of Kings for eternity and to find that assurance that heaven is your home. Let's pray this morning. Father God, God, we come to you just as humble as we know how. God, we thank you that you are God alone. God, we recognize that if we just walk out on the front porch and look to our left across the street, we'll see that this morning the trees worshipped you by doing what they were created to do. And so God, like the trees, would you call us this morning to do what we were created to do, and that is worship and glorify you. God, if there would be someone in this house who says, something is hindering me, I need to lay something down at your feet that I might worship you in spirit and in fullness and in truth. 
Would you give them the courage to come to your altar and say, I'm making a stand that I'm leaving this here. And I'm going to rise and worship. My worship has been splintered. And God, if there be one here who's never cried out, God, please save me. Who's never accepted your mercies. Who's never taken a stroll by Calvary's cross and been dipped in the blood of Jesus. God, would you convict them and save them as only you can. And give them the courage to come down and confess what has happened in their life. God, we will give you the honor and the praise and take none for ourselves for what you do. We thank you for what you've already done. And it is in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.